<laughs> Raven's like, what's going on? Um, something I have forgotten to say this morning is, Happy Father's Day. I know it wasn't, it wasn't in the bulletin and, and the busyness of this week, but uh, Happy Father's Day. Take time to cherish that. Um, today and this week, um, we have a great opportunity of investing, and, and, and we are very, very blessed. Well, um, with the little ones downstairs, take your Bibles and we'll turn to John chapter 8 and we'll continue in our study. Uh, oftentimes, you know, and uh, you, you have lots of time to think throughout the week and just the emphasis on going, going slow, right, through some of these truths. Uh, I was in a text message with uh, somebody there this week and uh, they, had, they were... They were having conversations with Jehovah Witnesses, right? And they were they were really amazed at how well they knew what they believed. They 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 knew what what the the foundations of their faith was. Um, not their faith isn't from the Bible, but uh, but they knew what they believed, right? Uh, I was sitting in a, a lecture on uh, apologetics to the Islam uh, religion, and that was one of the things he kept saying: Don't argue with them. They know what they believe. They, they probably almost know their Bible. They, they, they'll know who Jesus is better than you do to argue against it, right? And so when it comes down to, to studying through the Gospels and discovering um, who Jesus is, it is important to take, to take our time through this. And as John is writing in AD 9D, he's, he, he's facing these controversies himself. And he's, he's placing these truths. He, he's placing Christ at the center of the church. He's playing, placing Christ, the Son of God, at the center of these people's faith for a reason, right? Because it will be challenged and we need to know. So knowing this Christ of the, of the Bible should be everything to us, right? Knowing this Christ, the Son of God, should be everything to us. And, and, and Lord willing, that'll come out of our study this morning. Jesus is the light, there are no gray areas, right? And why don't we just uh, begin in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you just for this morning. We thank you for just the, the voice of the little ones, Lord, watching them do the action, singing about hope and faith and, and you as creator. Lord, I'm so thankful that they're in this building, Lord. And then when we look at, at everyone who is gathered, Lord, I trust we're all here for the same reason. Lord, we're here to to learn more about you and, and wherever and in whatever our walk of life is, Lord, whatever our spiritual maturity is, we're here to learn more about you. And I pray that, that that happens this morning. You would help us to, to examine our hearts, Lord, because we know sin prevents us from having that fellowship. Lord, and that's as easy as saying, Lord, I know... I've had a hard week. Lord, I know I've made mistakes, and, and, and it's sin mistakes, not just mistakes. Lord, I know I've done things that, that keep me from, from that fellowship with you. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Confess them, Lord. And then we're, we're back on that playing field of, of, of you saying, okay, son or daughter, right? Hear me. I pray that we do that this morning. And I pray that your spirit would just move in our midst and that we would recognize that this light is something that we desperately need in our lives every second, every step, every hour. Lord, just pray that you would help us to be sensitive to that in your precious name. Amen. 
John chapter 8, verse 12, we looked at this last week, um, the picture of those 75-foot lampstands, and we won't dwell on that too much, but uh, as Jesus speaks to them, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And it's Jesus saying these words under this great source of, of physical light that we see the light of the world. Right? The, 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 the true light, the spiritual light that had come into darkness. We see him making himself known. We talked about revival just a couple minutes ago. The world needs revival. They need this light. Right? They need to recognize that, that there is, they are groping in darkness. They're, they're in bondage. They need this light. And we know as Jesus is standing underneath this physical light that, again, in that, that, that chapter of the Mishnah there, it says that not a courtyard in Jerusalem was not lit. We know Jesus wasn't talking about physical light. And this wasn't a, a light switch. There wasn't a, a, great, a, a big job site light. This wasn't what he was talking about. He was talking about the, the, the spiritual condition of man before God. Right? There should be no confusion when it comes to light and darkness. There should be no confusion in our minds and hearts as, as, as we're living this Christian light as to what truth and Satan's lies are. There should be no confusion on whether you are saved or you are lost. Right? Light is light and darkness is darkness. If I was to define light, and it is because it's speaking of God, it's speaking of the gospel, it's speaking of, of His person and His truth, it's speaking of all His promises, light equals God's truth. It equals His spiritually awakening that He can bring into your life. The light speaks to our salvation. The light speaks to God's provided righteousness that we need to receive in order to step into His presence. The darkness, the darkness speaks to the presence of sin. Right? And from there, you, you start meditating on that. The presence of sin, the, the dimness that comes when you're, you're living without that light. Obscurity, and those words come right from, from the, the Greek dictionary, but I mean that, that, that is what your life is described as when you do not have that light that Jesus brings when you do not have that, that gospel life that's freely offered to you, your life is obscure. It's dim. The purpose for living, you're, you're groping for it. You, you don't have that leading. Where sin is, lawlessness abounds. And I keep saying that statement, and, it's, it's, it, it, and I know God's put it there. There is no, no end to where sin will take you. There's no, it'll just take me this far. No, there is no end to where sin will take you. So you're, you're, there's, no, there's no gray area. You're saved or you're not saved. Truth or Satan's lies. You're either living in obedience or there's sin. When there's darkness, when there's a presence of sin, it means either two things. Either there's no fellowship with God, meaning that you're not saved. Right? There's no fellowship. Or there's broken fellowship with God that darkness, that presence of sin, that, that broken fellowship is for the person who has placed their faith in Christ. Right? They've, they've been regenerated. They've been, uh, <clears throat> they've been regenerated. They've been indwelt. They've been spiritually baptized. They've been sealed. Right? But the sin nature is still there. Right? And, and we fall. 
Right? We think things that we should not. Right? The presence of sin is there, which is why it's so important to find ourselves confessing that sin, restoring that fellowship. Right? That, that's almost, if you were memorizing verses for salvation, that should almost follow John 3.16. Right? 1 John 1.9. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when there's the, that you understand darkness, obscure dimness, we need to understand that it either comes with no fellowship with God or it's broken fellowship because of the presence of sin. This light that Jesus is speaking to, speaking to these people, He's in the temple, this light wasn't a physical light, He was talking about the spiritual condition of man. Why is that important? This light, I am the light of the world, this light is the source of life. This light is the answer to that longing that we're created with. When, when we are born, or when we're formed in the womb, we are created with a desire to, to, to long and, and discover God. That light that Jesus brings is that answer to it. And we, we, in our lives, we have people, our lives are full of people who are, are looking for the meaning of life, and that answer is Christ's light. That fulfillment of that. This light that Jesus is speaking about is Christ. It is the anointed Messiah. It is the prophet that the Jews were supposed to be looking for. It is the new Moses. It is the Holy One of God that Isaiah talks about. It is the Son of Man that Daniel talks about. It is the Son of God. And as Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world, it wasn't just a statement. He was calling people out of their darkness. Decisions had to be made. Right? He was calling them out of, out of the questioning of life, calling them out of the bondage of the, the different practices that the world sometimes, I'm going to say, puts you in chains to words. Right? I know what addictions are like. But when that light speaks, he's calling them out of that darkness. I wrote this comment down. When you are lost in darkness, your existence at this life is just an attempt God has a purpose. We're created for His glory. Without that light, this life is just an attempt at at existing. Our purpose is to to find God and have that intimate relationship with Him, which makes the gospel so important. This light, as we see Jesus um, explaining and declaring Himself, was part of God gathering His nation to Himself. Judaism, no, that wasn't God's plan. Jesus had come. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But Israel had to come. Israel had to come to that light. Israel had to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and come to that light. They had to to come out of that darkness in order to be washed in the water and spirit. They had to come to Christ and receive Him as King and Lord in order to receive that new heart of Ezekiel 36, to be born again that He explains to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. This light would lead them out of their spiritual darkness, thinking even back to that that illustration of Ezekiel's dead, dry bones in Ezekiel 37, lead them out of that spiritual darkness into that light, into that life with fellowship with God. This was very important for the early church to understand. The same way it's very important, crucial for us to understand this morning. 
As Jesus says these words, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, dimness, obscurity, but have the light of life. Jesus is speaking to two very clear, vivid points here. As the, the Pharisees are standing there opposing everything that God is doing. Number one was that the Pharisees did not think that they were sinners. You pause. I know I've lived part of my life not thinking that I was a sinner. I know I'm a sinner, but it didn't bother me none. Right? The Pharisees were living as though they did, were not sinners, and the Pharisees had created a religion that told God they were spiritually okay before them, before Him. It's a lot like the world we live in today. If the Pharisees did not think that they were sinners, that meant that they had no need for repentance. They didn't think that they were sinners, and, and we see that all through, and, and, and even reading ahead in John, I mean, the, this idea of, of, of why are we listening to, and Jesus going, why don't you understand my speech? It's because they didn't see their need for repentance. They didn't see their, 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 <laughs> their position before God. They didn't see their lives as God sees them, and that hardens your heart to the place where it's, I don't need the gospel. These Pharisees, we're telling God that they already had the light. And again, I, I want you to think about the world that we live in. We don't need this. We don't need the cross. We don't need the, the blood of Jesus because they already, they think that they have the light. They think they have the answers to life. With this religious system, as Jesus is very clearly putting, and there's no gray areas here, I am the light of the world and you are in darkness. This religious system that you're functioning in, they were telling God that they were spiritually okay. They were telling Jesus, the Son of God, that they already had a relationship with God while walking in darkness. First John talks about that, calls them liars. Right? making them liars, rejecting the truth of the gospel of Christ that he had come to bring. They acted and lived as though they had no sin. They were deceiving themselves. They were rejecting the truth that shines into their, their lives, into that darkness. They believed they were righteous by their works, by the things that they did, by the money that they gave, by the, the, the missions trips that they went on. Right? They felt they, they were righteous by their works, and we see that because it's, it's such a temptation for us today. I'm okay the way I am doing what I do. But as they stood there listening to Jesus speak, and they were, they were blatantly, and we'll see this in a couple minutes, they were blatantly saying that Jesus was lying. Jesus was lying. They were calling God a liar. That being said, I'd like to read just a couple of verses from 1 John. We understand, turn to 1 John chapter 1, written by the same man around the same time. We know as he's recording, moved by the Holy Spirit to, to record the gospel, 1 John is, is written to the early church after Calvary. We understand the church has started, but the, the truths of what happens when that light is presented are the same. Jesus is presenting himself as the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the, the light of life. And it's in 1 John that, that these letters are being read in the churches. And the same wrestling match, the same predicaments, the same outcomes, are, are, they're still battling with this. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. Very words of Jesus. John was there. John heard him as teach. And he, John watched as he, as he worked his way through this discourse at the Feast of Tabernacles. We declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no gray areas. Kind of a neat thing when you think of John writing this. What was he thinking of? Candlesticks. The, the, the audience listening as Jesus is, is teaching them this. If we say that we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. You can't have both. There's no, there's no gray areas here. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We know that for today. If we say, verse 8, that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. For these Pharisees, they were deceiving themselves. The truth was not in them. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise that we have today, uh, that Jesus, His blood, paid the price for all sins that we have yet, but to just confess our sins before Him. Verse 10, If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Picturing those Pharisees, saying to Jesus, standing before Jesus, saying, we don't need what you came to bring. They were calling Jesus a liar. They are making him a liar. These principles are all through the discourse of John chapter 7 to John chapter 10, 21, the discourse of the Feast of Tabernacles. Why? I wrote this in my Bible. We all have a lot of Pharisee in us. We all have that tendency with our sin natures to deceive ourselves that I am spiritually okay before God. We all have that tendency to, to, to lie and, and the truth, these words that, that are supposed to shed that light and lead and guide us, they're not in us. When we find ourselves in that place, we're calling God a liar. And that is a serious, serious charge. Serious charge. So this morning, back to John chapter 8, verse 12, we can, we can understand the sobering tone that comes with this. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, and we will, we will gain some momentum here. As he says there, they shall not walk in darkness. We can relate with the Pharisees' way of thinking or mode of thinking this morning. Can we ourselves come to that place where we stop examining our hearts before God? Can we get comfortable with where we're at? Can we, can we uh, in, in our way of life, and, and, and oftentimes, it, and it can be unintentional, right? can we come to that place where all of a sudden we stop repenting? We stop seeing. We, that light stops shining in. We stop seeing ourselves as God sees us, and we think we're okay. How about confessing? Right? Can we, in the busyness of life and... and, and, and Days turn into weeks. All of a sudden we find ourselves there that, that confession is not part of our spiritual disciplines. Can we preach that place? Then I think we all should say yes. Right? Very, very easily. And I'll be very transparent this morning. I can go through a whole day without asking God for forgiveness. An entire day. Right? 
which is horrible when you think about it. But again, I'm, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, and I, I'm honest with that. But I can go through a whole day without asking for forgiveness. Why is that? I can go to sleep at night without even having a second thought towards how God saw my day. How God saw and would evaluate. How Was He pleased with it? You know, did, did, is there anything there that, that I didn't meet said? You know, did, I, did I do something very foolish? Did I look at something that I shouldn't have? Did I say something, right? It, I can go to sleep without a second thought. Why is that? Because we all have a little Pharisee in us. I have a tendency to say, I don't need that light. I have a tendency to not even think about my life in darkness. What does that mean for me? It means as a saved man, I have chosen darkness. As a saved man, I have said that my sin is okay before God. You see how that works, right? It's very easy. I've said that it's okay before God. I've made myself comfortable resisting the Spirit. I think the second question that come out of that is, how, how do I know if I'm walking in darkness? How do I know if I'm walking in broken fellowship as a believer with Christ? And the easiest answer is you, you know whether you're walking in the light of life or not. You know if you're, you're life and, and you are allowing the Spirit to lead. But unfortunately, we're also very okay with walking in, in the spiritual darkness. And that's not just for the unsaved. That's for the believer. The disciples, as they were hearing Jesus speak this, they had to recognize this because those men weren't perfect either. They had to recognize their own tendencies with darkness. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We sometimes get so used to not hearing God speak that silence, when the Word of God is open, it becomes normal. We sometimes get so used to communing with Him. And that's our prayer, that's our worship, that's our Sunday mornings, that, that it means very little to us. We get so used to that being normal. Why is that? Because of broken fellowship. Because of that darkness. We've said that that sin is okay. We can relate with the Pharisees' mode of thinking, but us today, we have that promise. We have that other side of the cross. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and, and we're back in that fellowship. We're back be basking in that light. The Pharisees did not have this light, nor did they want this light. And in fact, I might even say they were probably tired of hearing of this light. Right? They, they did not want what Jesus had come to bring. So what did the Pharisees do? They rejected Christ. They rejected that light. They, they crucified Christ, seeking to remove that light. They created their own system, telling God what made them in right standing before Him. They did not need God's new covenant. They did not need the righteousness that God, Christ had come to bring. They did not need the cross at Calvary that He would be lifted up on. And I read these words into the world I live in. He came to His own, but His own did not receive Him. The world I live in doesn't need Jesus, doesn't need the new covenant, doesn't need the cross. Sometimes, even in our own Christian circles, I wonder, 
What do we desperately need? We need that light. Verse 13, the Pharisees, we see a response there. Therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus, you're creating your own story, your own logic. Um, this, this isn't real. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. We understand that Jesus is speaking directly to unsaved men. Right? Men that, that can't understand the deep things of God. They need to understand their standing before God in their sin. They need to understand their darkness. They need to understand their need for repentance. Jesus, the Son of God, is speaking directly to unsaved men who continue to accuse Him of lying, saying that this isn't true. The words that they're speaking are not true. You bear witness of yourself. The very words of God, the doctrine of God, doing the will of the Father meant nothing to them. You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. These words are not true. Sounds like the battle that's going on today. John chapter 5, we saw Jesus present a, a fourfold witness of himself. John the Baptist bore witness of that light. Right? The, the very works that I do bear witness that the Father has sent me. The Father himself authenticated his Son at the baptism. I mean, what more do you need? The Scriptures all point towards me. Even in John chapter 8, as we come ahead to, to verse 56, we see that Abraham... Abraham looked forward, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. What do you mean the witness, my witness is not true? The natural man says that these words are not true. They don't need that light that Jesus had come to bring. These words of Jesus are not enough, and we understand that. Again, that's the world that we live in, right? Jesus isn't enough. God's words aren't enough. They're what? They need something more. Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. The line is drawn. There is, there is no gray areas here. We know that God does not answer to man. I'm kind of thankful for that. I don't see Jesus in a dither here. No, he's laying it on the line here. Right? <laughs> I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. God does not answer to man, and yet the Pharisees were contending with God's Son, contending with God's omnipotence, contending with God's omniscience. I mean, every time Jesus taught, it was with, with authority. They were contending with the Son of God like they had a foot to stand on. Truth. Jesus is explaining to them, I am operating on a whole different level, boys. <laughs> I came from heaven. I came from God the Father. I came to the Father's will. I know why I have come. John the Baptist's words ring true. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus knew why he had come. Jesus knew where he was going. And for us as believers today, we need to recognize he was going back to the right hand of the Father where he'd come from. That's where he is today. 
That's, that's an important part of, of us walking this Christian life. Christ is at the right hand of the Father. But he also knew to that needed stop at Calvary. That needed stop at Calvary. You, you do not know. I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. These Pharisees really, in their darkness, in their obscurity, had no idea what was going on here. Why? John chapter 8, verse 43. And we see Jesus speaking directly to the, the, the glazed looks that I can only imagine they were getting. The confusion that was going on. Why could these Pharisees not understand about the light? Why could they not accept with this, this fourfold witness that Jesus is the Son of God come with the righteousness that they needed? Why could they not understand? Verse 43 of John chapter 8. Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus speaking. Because you are not able to listen to my word. That is the natural man. That is the man in darkness, choosing darkness, choosing to harden their heart towards the word of God. Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. We'll get into that next week. Come down to the last part of verse 44. When he, the devil, speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Why don't you understand my speech? Why aren't you, why aren't you coming to this light? Why aren't you receiving this, this, this gospel, this new covenant I've come to bring? Why don't you believe that I am the Son of God? Verse 15. You judge according to flesh. I judge no one. You're looking at this from a, a, a world perspective. You are looking at this with a, a world view. You are looking at this as this fear down at this level. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. Kind of chuckled a little bit as Jesus brings the Godhead into this conversation. You're not just dealing with a man here. I am with the Father who sent me. The Godhead is brought into this picture. Pharisees knew about the Trinity. I mean, it was part of their, their original teachings, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You don't separate them. You can't. They're one. Right? And here we have Jesus saying, I am with the Father who sent me. You are dealing with the Godhead here. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. And a picture them here trying to, try, why don't you understand my speech? You know, you're functioning at this level. The devil has you understanding in this sphere, in this, this bondage. You're perceiving things according to the flesh, according to your darkness. You are hindering, pardon me, you are hindered from seeing the things of God. This is how the world sees Christ. It's how the world sees the gospel. Right? It, it, it's on this level. They don't understand how important it is to know Christ. They don't understand how important it is to know how our salvation works. Right? They're perceiving it as the world sees it. This is how some of our friends function. This is how some of our family members function there when we try and show them the light. Show them where the truth lies. 
It's it's part of, for us, understanding. And and can you see this morning Jesus facing the same thing that we do when when this truth is not connecting with them? Can we see that Jesus walked through the very same paths that we do? Well, has it done? The faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's, It's back to the Gospel. It's back on our knees. It's back understanding that, that spiritual battle that's going on between light and darkness, truth and lies, Satan and Christ. Verse 21, and we'll jump down. Um, then Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Spent a little bit of time thinking about maybe the, the, the tone of voice that Jesus would have used. We know God is not willing that any should perish, that all come to repentance. There's a grieving of the heart, but there's also that line being drawn. These Pharisees had to see their need for light, see their lives as God sees them, see their sin and see their need for repentance and coming into fellowship with Him. It's interesting to pause here and realize that these religious leaders were not on the same page as Jesus. They weren't on God's page. For Jesus to to just boldly put it out there, great evangelistic tool or, or, or example here as well, I am going away, you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Jesus is speaking the words of God to them and there is nothing but blank stares because they have their own system. We don't need to know this. God had sent the new covenant, an advocate to him with God's provision of righteousness for spiritual life and eternal life. These guys weren't interested in the words of God. They weren't interested in God's Son. They weren't interested in God's doctrine, God's plan. And for the Pharisees, <laughs> I, this, is, this is one of the few last chances that they get here. And it doesn't get any more clear than this. Jesus is, is laying the gospel on the line, but the choice is theirs. I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come. I don't have time this morning to, to jump into that study, but these Pharisees, whether it was a mocking or a taunt, even went as far as to say that Jesus was going to kill himself and go to the deepest parts of the unrighteous dead in Hades. You have Abraham's bosom, and you've got the the place for unrighteous dead. That's how far they took this situation, calling God a liar, disregarding the gospel light that he had come to bring. But it's in verse 23 and 24 that I I just parked myself and began seeing my own own testimony, seeing my own passion for, for coming to that light, my own need, my own need for examining and repenting and confessing. And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Again, that's pretty clear. That that gospel message is clear. That That line is drawn. You are from beneath, you are of this world. And we keep understanding that there is no gray areas. You are either in the light or the darkness. You are either of Christ or you're of the world. 
the, 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 the control of the world becomes evident. Right? The appeals of the flesh. We know this difference. The world, the orderly arrangement of those who do not belong to God and the things of the world, they are what draws you away from God. That's a, a life of bondage. A life without the light of Christ, without salvation, without the Holy Spirit is a life of bondage. And there's no gray area to that. 1 John chapter 2. I invite you to turn there with me. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, talks exactly about the world. And this is why it's so important to sort this out. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? Because it's not of the light. It's not of God. It's not of Christ. It's not going to lead you in fellowship. If anything else, it's going to draw you back into that bondage. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All right, we're talking about that spiritual broken fellowship. We're back to John 8, 12, right? I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. That should be repulsive. That, that there isn't that desire to walk in that dimness obscured anymore, but have the light of life. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, sounds like everything that comes up on my iPad, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now I say not everything. There is good things with that. But we have to be very careful. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Light, darkness, truth, lies. Right? A, a life in Christ or a life of bondage. Here in these, these two verses, 23 and 24, I see Jesus' testimony. I see him presenting the gospel. And I see the, the world's response from this. And, and we'll draw our clothes from this. And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. How many times in these three years has Jesus explained to the, these men and these people listening, God has sent me, I am from heaven. Right? I, I am not of this world, he's explaining to them. I am, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. We see him move into, therefore I said to you, and this is the, the gospel line. Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And basically the, the, the punchline of this is you need to see that you're a sinner. You need to see that you're separated from God. You need to see that there's, there's no way you can work your way into having a relationship with God, which is why Jesus came. He is the Son of God. You need to believe. And for us, this side of Calvary, we need to recognize that we're sinners. We need to understand that Jesus came and he willingly allowed himself to, to go through the trials, be led to Calvary, be nailed on that cross. He allowed himself to pay the, the price for our sins, went into that grave, rose victorious, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Right? When we believe that, we ask for forgiveness, and, and this never gets old. We ask for forgiveness. We step into that, that fellowship with Him. We're born again, and, and we won't get into all that, but, but that, that's our new life. That's our life in the light. It's clear. There's no gray area. These men needed to see their sin. They needed to see their state before God. They needed to make that decision. Here we have the testimony of Jesus. We have the gospel and then we have the world's response 
And I want you to, to chuckle with me in verse 25. Who are you? Who are you? Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. His, his testimony didn't change. His words, the truth, the light, it didn't change. Who are you? They're asking. This morning, we need to recognize that as born-again believers, those who have made that decision, have placed their faith in Christ and are walking in the newness, walking in that light, we need to recognize that we are not of this world. Right? Recognize that this morning. You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. We as believers in Christ, born again, we are not of this world. We have our citizenship in heaven. Right? That's something that, that we don't wait till, till the end of our lives to recognize. That's something that needs to be instilled in us from the very beginning. We are supposed to be separated from the world. As Jesus speaking of, you are of this world. Well, we're supposed to be separated from this world. That's John 17, written all over that. We're, <clears throat> we're supposed to be separated from the world. There's no gray areas. We're supposed to be sanctified and holy. We are supposed to be sharing the message of 24. Hear me. This is our evangelism, right? With loving and grace and, and used as the Spirit leads, but this is the gospel we're supposed to be sharing. I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am He, you do not believe that Christ is the Son of God, that He paid the price for sin, that, that you need to come to Him and, and place your faith in Him for, for eternal life. If you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. That is our gospel message. It's supposed to be quick on our lips. It's supposed to be centered in our lives as we interact. Father-in-law made the mention. Sometimes you don't realize that we may be the last thing between a, a loved one and the flames of hell. Right? That line needs to be presented. Right? That, that line. Then the world asks, the world asks, and, and I'll just do a run-through of this. The world asks you, who are you? What do you say? As a Christian, you know, and Jonathan and I were talking a little bit about the paving crew and all of a sudden out of, out of all the tar and the grease and I'm sure there's facial hair and stuff that goes with that, uh, it, you know, rough characters, all of a sudden, who are you? And all of a sudden there's two believers on his crew, right? Some that haven't been to church in years, but they know the gospel and, and, and there's good conversation over spiritual things of, of I, want to get, I want to come back in the light. I have decisions to make. My family needs Jesus, right? right? It's there. But think with me. What comes out of your mouth when somebody asks you, who are you? Who are you in Christ? What comes to mind? Couldn't help but think, this, this is your light. And we started the service out with John is placing Christ at the center. Christ is placing, John is placing Christ and the gospel and in, in, to in, integrate itself in everything. And I just wrote down, very, if you have placed your faith in Christ, you should be able to explain the light that you have. You should be able to. I'm not talking you know, scholarly. I'm talking you should be able to explain the light that you have. That when I was, and for me it was when I was five. When I was five years old, I heard the gospel of salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ in that simple way. I understood and it was the Holy Spirit that helped me understand that my sin separated me from God. And, and, I, and I remember there that chasm that I can't get across as much as I wanted to probably try. But that chasm... Right? And then you have hell on the other side of that. I understood that. The Holy Spirit helped me understand that. 
The Holy Spirit helped me understood that, that, that I needed what Christ had come to bring. I, I, I placed my faith in Christ. I learned when I come to NBBI that I was born again. I was regenerated. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. I was placed into Christ and I was sealed forever. That is the light that is yours when you place your faith in Christ. That is your answer to when the world asks you, who are you? Of course, you have the citizenship too. I'm no longer of this world. I can't go out with my friends. I can't even with the alcohol scene or I can't be associated. Okay, I'm not of that world anymore. Right? My citizenship is in heaven. I am the temple of the Lord. So this morning, just in close, do you have this light? I'll even say this much. Take, take these verses home and read through them again. You have Jesus' testimony. You have Jesus' sharing the gospel very clearly. I mean, it wouldn't take much to have somebody who, who's kind of playing in that gray area to say, look, this is what Jesus says right here. Read, read those words, right? What does that mean to you? There's no gray areas with this. Do you have this light this morning? As Jesus speaks these words, are they tugging on your hearts? Quietly. Maybe you're listening this morning, whether it's in the pew or whether it's online, and you know in your head what the light is. Right? You, know, you know the love of Jesus. You know the love of God. You know, you know what, what that holds. You know that it's something that, that, that's really, really important. You know in your head. But in your heart, you understand what the light is supposed to do. You understand it's supposed to lead you in the things of Christ. You know how it's supposed to feel. It's leading you away from the things that, that, that you are in bondage to. It's supposed to, it's supposed to lead you towards that light and, and that peace that God promises. You may know it in your head, but you know it's not there in your heart. And I see a lot of our young people in the churches walking away because they know it up here, but they've never experienced it down here. This morning... If you're in this place where, where you, you, you know it up here, but, but you don't know what that light feels like, you can't explain it, you, you can't answer for that, I want you to reach out to Christ this morning. That can be done in, in, in anywhere at any time. You reach out to Christ, this Christ of the gospel right, that, that we're placing at the center. This Christ, this is the Christ that you need to know. And I just thought, tell him that you believe that he's the Son of God. Tell him that you believe he's the Son of God. I mean, that, that goes for any walk of life. Tell him that you've heard the gospel from the Word of God. We're not making this up. Right? These are the words of Jesus. Tell him you've heard the gospel. Tell him that, that you've heard the Word of God. Tell him that you need what he came to give. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Ask for forgiveness. Open the Word of God. I'm emphasizing this. Open this. Because this is who he needs to be. And then turn to your church for help. Turn to your church for help. Because that's why we're here. We have that light. We're, we're a collective body in Christ there that are seeking to try and live in that light. We need that support. We're here on Wednesdays. We're here on Fridays. We're here on Saturdays. We're on Sundays. Um, we need this light. We need to know who this Christ is. We want to walk as a church with you in this light of life. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this light. 
We thank you for your patience as we, we learn and we walk through, I think of that word, sanctification. Lord, as you're, you're grooming us and you're transforming us. Lord, and, and just even, even in Romans where it talks about being a living sacrifice and that picture of crawling off the altar, Lord, it's a story of, of my life. But Lord, I just pray that if you're working in the hearts of, of anyone here this morning, Lord, I pray that they would reach out to their church. We think of the online crowd that are watching. Lord, I pray that they would reach out for their church. Perhaps they need to reach out to a church. Lord, you don't call on us to, to walk this Christian life on our own. You also don't call on us to, to, to be a prize at the end. We have to work at it. Lord, I just pray that we would meditate on this, this, this word that we've heard this morning. We would read it. And you would give us opportunities to explain it. Help us not to be comfortable. When the world asks us, who are you? Lord, we need to have an answer. And I pray that you would just be with us in and through this. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the, just another wonderful opportunity just to gather inside your house, but Lord, in your presence. Lord, and I do pray that you would continue to protect our beautiful province, be with our leaders. Lord, we're so blessed in, in having so little cases, but Lord, we know that that can change in a hurry. And I pray that you would just just help us to, to seek and follow your will in everything that you place before us. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.